today's teaching is going to be a little different anyway than, than normal. As far as we're going through this topical series, I mean serving, obedience, trust, prayer, all that kind of stuff. But um, today the general topic is spiritual bondage and spiritual freedom. Uh, more specifically, I want to look at mental strongholds. Um, to which the enemy has subjected us, like torments of the mind, nightmares of the night, uh, uh, isolation, um, loneliness, depression, fear, anxiety, all of that kind of stuff, as well as the underlying lies of the enemy that are typically behind each of those. And let me just say that right off the beginning that um, the Lord wants to bring us into freedom, Yes, he wants to deliver his sons and daughters from the wicked plans of, of Satan. And it's as if some, sometimes it's as if the enemy has his hands and, and he's you know, over our heads and just squeezing harder and harder. And, and, and it's, if, it's like the pressure comes where we don't feel we can handle anymore. It's when people give up. It's when people quit. It's when they begin to doubt. It's when they become frustrated. For others, there's this dark cloud over their mind where nothing makes sense in this particular season of life. There's confusion. There's lack of direction. The reasoning skills seem illogical, and things are often blown out of proportion. And so our life is often under siege, actually. Our minds are under siege. And it has nothing, by the way, to... Never has anything, whoa, look at that. Never has anything to do with, um, do you have the notes too? Oh, you got everything. Oh, we're back in the 21st century. Uh, it, it has nothing, none of this. When, when our minds are under siege, it has nothing to do with your goodness or badness. You are not a bad person. Not, neither does it have to do with the quality of your salvation um, as if Satan's barrage on your mind qualifies you or places you in the category of a bad Christian. See, that's what he would like you to believe. Because that keeps your mind enslaved when you believe that. That keeps you with a victim mindset, well, I'm just a bad person. The truth is that even as a devoted follower of Jesus, the walls of your life are often still in ruins. The, the soul part your soul. And even though the Holy Spirit is committed to rebuilding of your soul, as we looked extensively through the book of Nehemiah a while back, there remains these places within your mind where there's, it's still a fierce battleground. You know, it's, it's, it's a battleground and there's areas that need to be, to be fortified. And I was thinking uh, during worship of this section I'm, I'm actually writing my, um, my third novel of this series, and you know I finished Broken Lies, and Broken Fortune is the next one that's been complete for a long time. Um, I just haven't had it edited and go through all that process, uh, because I never knew I was going to write a second book, and I certainly didn't know I would write a third, but Revelation just keeps coming to me, and I was writing the other day, well, it was a couple weeks ago now, but um, just this... This stuff comes, and you know, I know it's from the Lord because I don't think like this. But it was talking about lies being uh, a par parasitical intruders, and and so if you think of of a parasite, um, 
you know, it's a foreign substance, not supposed to be there, just like lies. It's not resident to how, it's not how God created us. Uh, enemy infuses our, these lies and he intrudes in our, in our minds and they're like parasites. And, and so, you know, certain, certain times we can have victory over the lies that we believe. Once we identify them and we break the attachment and the agreement with them, we're, we're able through God's power and grace and, and some of our determination even to, to break and living a different lifestyle, break the power of them, but they're still you know, have you ever have you ever had a parasite where you take antibiotics? I have before, and some are very tough to kill. I had one that never it seemed like went away. You know, just kept coming back, and they they will do that. And so the Lord began to show me that about lies and how, you know, we think we're having victory. Oh, finally, I'm because lies lies. You know, once you agree, empower them, agree, become attached to them, they they form your identity. It's very difficult to to have those broken, much less even initially recognized. But once you begin to have that victory over them, well, they they don't they're not dead. They're lying in wait to be fed again. They're in an atrophied state. They have very little power at this present time because you're believing the truth. You're walking in victory, led by the Holy Spirit. But they're lying in wait. They're waiting for a relapse. They're waiting for uh, confusion. They're waiting for depression. They're waiting for anxiety. They're waiting for something that they can feed upon and, and bring back. Because you think the devil is done? You think he's going to quick try? Oh. Oh, that, that Christian's victorious. I guess I have no inroads there any longer. No, it worked before. It's waiting to be fed again and to be strengthened and to grow. And so we do have to be diligent. We do have to recognize um, our foe and, and know that his schemes and his, and his wickedness. And so before I, we begin today, I want to ask uh, an important question that, now I've asked it on many occasions. <laughs> The question is, do you want to be free? And, I mean, it, it, sometimes I think, well, that's a, just a silly question. <laughs> but remember what happened when Jesus approached that uh, man who was an invalid, in, where's my water? An idv, invalid. See, I can't even speak without water. Jesus approached a man who was invalid for 38 years. And he entered this sort of a hospital, if you recall, where there's this large number of, of blind and lame and paralytic um, people gathered around in order to dip in this pool that was allegedly stirred by a healing angel from time to time. And so Jesus walks up to this one guy, and um, again, the one that could not stand for 38 years, first words out of his mouth are, you want to get well? Like, what in the world? What kind of question is that? I mean, really? You, of course he wants. Why, why would this man be sitting and waiting at a reputed pool of healing if he did not want to be healed? But Jesus knows that our minds are under assault, you see. And he knows that the successes of the enemy in keeping our minds in bondage, victimized by our own thought processes... And so do you want to be free, we ask ourselves. Do you, are, you, are you willing at the same time to fight for your freedom because that's what it takes? You have to fight for your freedom, for deliverance, and then it's very important to let others fight for you as well. 
This is difficult to do this on your own, if not impossible. We're in this battle together, but let me remind you about something. We're on the winning side. Colossians 1, 21 to 20, first part of 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, firmed, established and firmed, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So these verses if you notice, have a lot to do with our minds. And that prior to knowing Jesus, we were enemies of God in our minds. And that means a lot more than we just thought differently than God, you know. When your mind is in enmity against someone, it means your thoughts and your actions are completely opposed to the other person. And the reason I say actions is because Actions, um, uh, 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 our, our thoughts often lead to action. In fact, any, prior to any action you take, there was a thought that preceded it. And so each one of us have lived part of our lives in separation to our Creator, opposition to Him, actually. Our minds were poisoned in such a degree that we were enemies against the only one that loves us. But, if you notice that in this passage, it says we have now been reconciled, the result of which is freedom from accusation. Do you see that? What's accusation? It's an assault on the mind, is it? Accusation is an assault on the mind. It is the abuse of lies of the enemy trying to keep us ensnared or to re-ensnare us once we've been set free from something. However, in salvation... From Jesus, it says we've been free from accusation. The gripping, in other words, the gripping control of the devil over our minds has been broken if, that's a big word in that passage, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move. When what area are you not supposed to be moved? Contextually, your mind. You see, this is all about the bondage and freedom of your mind, how at one time your mind was under the control of a hostile enemy, and how those who have been born again into the family of God are now free from accusation of the mind if they refuse to be moved from that place of freedom. You're not going to be accused. You're not going to fall under that accusatory spirit if you choose not to move, if your mind stays focused. We have to contend, in other words, for the freedom that's been purchased. So it's not just not necessarily through religious efforts or self-determination and discipline, but through our willingness to be healed, our humility to admit our need. You know, that's why I asked, do you want to be healed? That's a humility it takes. And, and, it's, and it's allowing the Lord, the same Lord who purchased our freedom, to be the Lord who secures it, who who brings it into experiential reality where we're living it out. You know, we're not just quoting scripture about our freedom, but we're actually living it out. Um, it's not religion, it's resurrection. And I've shared many times over the years about the spider web of life in which I was trapped and could never have been, it could never have been unraveled, believe me, through self-determination, behavior modification, or religious effort it required 
resurrection. And God reached down in his mercy and pulled me out of that dark spider web, setting me free from things that had plagued me my entire life for 48 years, actually. What was my part in the matter? Desperation. Yeah, somebody said willing. Of course, yeah, but desperation. <laughs> I didn't even know if I was willing. I was just desperate. I, I, I needed information. Well, I didn't even know cognitively a lot of this stuff. It just, when I look back, I thought, man, I guess I was desperate. You know, I wasn't like sitting there, oh, desperate or frustrated. I wasn't in a mental state at all. Um, it was just that I needed intervention from the Lord. I didn't know it at the time, but I did. And, 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 and it, oftentimes when a person doesn't get to that place of, some sort of desperation or hope that things could change or willingness, as, as we mentioned, it, it's, there's not much hope for freedom, you know. Why? Because we don't think we need it. We think we're okay. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, which means that there's a spiritual blindness that, that covers over the mind of every unbeliever, and, and blindness, you know, what does it mean? Uh, you can't see. And so we know that if the mind is blind, it suggests a spiritual bondage that a person, think of a, a blind mind, that you cannot perceive truth, you can't understand the simplicity of the gospel message, you have no cognitive understanding, or, or um, you can't grasp total sinfulness. So we're, we're blind to these types of things. And even though Jesus came into our lives, even though he brought light to our minds, even though he paid the, the price for, for the healing of our mind, there still exists periodic blindness, temporal insanity, if you will. Times when things are more confusing than other, times when seasons when, 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 when things are desperate and despairing. Am I just talking to myself here? Oh, okay. Just check it. <laughs> Why do you think that there are suicidal tendencies in some, believ some believers? Why do you think some Christians suffer from chronic depression, um, seasons of serious despair or hopelessness? It's because there's an area of their soul that is still a battleground. It's a battle for their mind. And though the devil was defeated when, when, when Jesus came into their spirits, the devil is going to continue to battle for control of your mind and your emotions. Proverbs 5.22 says this, The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. So what you're looking at is a snare. You're looking at a trap. You're looking at cords that wrap around the body. So prior to knowing Jesus, we were trapped by sin, by darkness, by the enemy. So I picture uh, pic, picture one of those large bear traps, you know, those vicious-looking things that can uh, ensnare a, and keep a hold a bear like 800 pounds or so. And it's like you and I were caught in that kind of a trap through sin and separation from God. Jesus comes along. He opens that trap. He lets us free. And, and, and yet at the same time, we still have some deep wounds from being in that trap. 
And it's not that Jesus' work is incomplete. It's not that it's imperfect by any means. We are free. We have been set free. It's just that the snares of the enemy have left the scars and the wounds of bondage upon our souls and some that are deeper than others. And by the way, if these things are not dealt with in one generation, they're often going to be passed down to the next. Mental illness, mental bondage, uh, depression, despair, even suicidal tendencies, these are all things that can flow from one generation to the next. So what are we going to do about it? Huh? Yeah, the healing and deliverance needs to come now in this generation. Why don't we start a trend and break the power of some of these things in our lives? The Bible says that you and I are a a slave to whatever has mastered us. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be free? Then we must break the mastery. You're a slave to whatever has mastered you. We must break the mastery of the devil over our minds. If your mind has been victimized by Satan, and if you're sitting in this chair breathing, it has. In some way or another, your mind has been victimized by the enemy. Then you're a slave to that particular area of mental bondage that exists, and you're a slave to the blindness that leads to loneliness and depression and despair and confusion and isolation and, you know, all those wonderful things. But guess what? Jesus has come to set you free. He said this, Luke 4.18. This is a very freeing, um, uh, liberating passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Are you poor? In spirit? Okay. I mean, I don't mean financially. You could be that too, but poor in spirit. He has sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus comes preaching, he says, to the poor. And, and, and what is good news to the poor? Is it just giving them food and, and money? Is that the answer? Is that, what, is that totally what Jesus meant? Could be part of what he meant, but it's, it's at least also giving them hope. You know, because it's, it's easy to fall into this trap of, of, uh, of, I mean, it's easy for the needy to fall in, in, into this trap where, where of despair and, and hopelessness. And so part of the ministry of Jesus is to bring deliverance from that, you know, and, and bring a message of freedom, mental freedom, um, and all those kinds of things. And he, he addresses the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed. And so much of this has to do with the bondage of the mind I've been talking about because the enemy wants to keep us mentally and emotionally captive. He wants to keep us in prison. He wants to continually keep us blinded, oppressed, whatever it takes. But Jesus is saying here that his very life and his ministry has been given to bring freedom in these very areas. In fact, it says the Holy Spirit anointed him for this work. To set free the person whose mind has been imprisoned, to bring healing to the mind that's been blinded and confused, and to release the mind that's been oppressed. So it's like, the, you know, if you were, if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, do you do you really want my mind to be completely delivered and set free? Do you really want me? Do you really want to release me from all the mental? torments and questionings and doubts and dark season of the soul and confusion and despair and and depression and loneliness? Do you really want me to have victory over my thought life and my emotional state? Well, 
Here's the answer. Not only does he want to bring us hope and freedom, which, but a significant aspect of his ministry is to do those very things, to break the power of the enemy over our lives and to restore God's people in the life for which they are created. God did not create us with confusion, depression, isolation, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, he didn't create us to be blind, to be oppressed, to be held captive, to be in prison in any way. He didn't make us that way. So it didn't come from him. And so God, Jesus wants to bring us into life that's free from the effects of the devil's bear traps and spider webs. He does want us to be completely, completely free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit is, there's freedom. Well, we sang today, the Spirit of the Lord is here. Well, if the Spirit of the Lord is here and where the Spirit is, there is freedom, guess what? <laughs> we can be freed, freed right here. That's His promise. That's what we sang if we believe it. The Spirit of the Lord is here. You guys kept saying it over and over. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit is, there's Freedom. So that's a great verse to believe. Jesus declared, the truth will set you free. Do you know what that implies? It's not said in the Bible, but what it implies, since Jesus did say we, the, Satan is the father of lies, it implies that, the, 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 that lies will bring you bondage if the truth sets you free. Lies will keep you in bondage to the enemy. And so a person's spiritual, mental freedom is, is not being blocked by the will or power of God. He has the ability and the willingness, by the way, to destroy the works of the devil over our minds. How many here saw the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson? Picture the scene when they're faced with battle and the, the, there was a whole group ready to walk away and Mel Gibson says these words to this ragtag army. He says, you've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. Picture him riding on that horse with the flag. You've come to, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> to fight as free men, and free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? And this is important because Jesus has made us free men and free women. But we, so we are free, but when faced with the ongoing assaults of the enemy, will you fight for your freedom? What was their answer? They looked out at the size of the enemy and they said, against that? No. We will run and we will live. So William Wallace then shouts out, The answer, when they say, well, no, we're going to run, but we're going to live. And he says, I fight and you may die. Run and you live, at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all of this from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take, and you remember that big comment, our freedom, and he yells and they all scream. <laughs> Love it. That is similar to a declaration of faith, isn't it? 
I mean, that's, 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 that's taking our stands against the lies and intimidation of the enemy. And saying, declaring, we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Let's have some worship. Let me ask you something. Is your life, is it worth your life to be set free? One of the reasons I ask that is because it requires death to find it. It requires death to find freedom, to find life. And the enemy, the accuser, the deceiver, the one who has tormented our mind, he wants you to think that you are in a hopeless situation. Wherever you're at this morning or in this season of your life or the last week or whatever it may be, he wants you to think you're in a hopeless situation, that you will never uh, be free, that you can never change or that things will never change. Have you ever felt that about anything? Things will never change for me. It's always going to be the same. I can never change. I, I, I can't change. All of that stuff's a lie. And so who are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the voice of Satan with our own experiences that confirm those lies often? Or are we going to listen to God despite our experiences? Satan loves to torment our minds. He continues to lie to us that, that we're going to, that, that in, in the hope that we will give up on our, in our hopes for uh, freedom and deliverance. And he's trying to give, he's trying to get us to give in to him. With the lie that if we do, if we finally just give in, this is too difficult, it's too hard, it's too painful, it, it's like it never stops, because this is a lifetime of resistance, of battle, of overcoming, and it doesn't ever feel like it's in. He wants us to give up on the whole thing, and so maybe that you're going to live another day, like the ragtag. We're going to run so that we can live another day. He wants to get us there, so we will stop resisting him, and maybe he will leave us alone then. That's what we'll do. We'll just stop resisting. I'm not going to go down this road. It's too difficult, too painful. I'm just going to not play. And maybe Satan will leave me alone. Maybe the enemy won't come after me. But we need to resist him. We need to fight. We need to allow ourselves to cry out for freedom. We need to cry out for deliverance. We need to cry out to be released from oppressive lies of the enemy. And, and, and we want to cry out for a resurrection of, men, of mental and emotional bondage. And it's time to fight for a freedom, and we want to fight and, 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 and move forward and not run. We want to, and we want to fight for others as well, which involves praying over people for faith, and this is what I would like to do today. I want to break the powers of strongholds over minds. I want to bring deliverance from the wounds of that vicious bear trap. I want to help release from... Um, torments, nightmares, loneliness, isolation, mental bondage, depression, anxiety, all those kind of things. But you have to be willing, and we have to be desperate. We have to get to that place of, you know, I've tried everything else right now. I've tried, I've, I've tried, I, 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 I've tried praying. I've tried changing my behavioral patterns. I've tried to do all this kind of stuff. But, but I, I am just wanting to be freed in this particular area of my life. And I always encourage people, just take one. Don't overwhelm yourself with, with a dozen things that you have to change, because I guarantee you there's two dozen, okay? <laughs> so that just kind of like defeats everything right off the bat, because then you really give up. Just take one, one little one. Well, they're big. They're all big, 
just take one and deal with it. Because what happens when we deal with one particular lie that we believed about ourselves, or we deal with, with one area that, that is a result of lies, such as depression, anxiety, fear, and um, all those kind of things we've talked about today, when we're able to deal with one, it begins to give us hope and, uh, and, and, and the ability to begin to deal with other things as they arise. Because now we're moving in faith. Because now it's already been successful, at least at, at this present time. And so if you want us to pray for anything today, of anything I've covered, a dozen things I've thrown out there, just stand and we're going to pray for you.